All right. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Darlene Childress, and this has become a call mama. And today we're going to talk about grief. And I've invited my friend and my grief coach on to navigate this conversation and to talk about navigating grief as a parent and especially around the holidays. And this episode is coming out on Thanksgiving Day, which can feel kind of weird. I wanted to acknowledge and honor the fact that we are sometimes in pain, even when we are doing celebratory things. And so that's why Leslie is here. So Leslie Gelfand, welcome, introduce yourself. And then I'll share a little bit about my experience as a, in grief recovery. Thank you, darling. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. We've been talking about this for a while, so I'm so excited to be here. I'm a grief recovery specialist. I help people come to terms with loss, whether that's death, illness, divorce. There's over 40 different kinds of loss that people can experience that can cause grief. And I help them navigate through that and become complete with the pain associated with the loss. So beautiful. I love that you mentioned that there's so many different types of loss. It's not just death, loss of a relationship, loss of a career, health, uh, health finances. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So many. What does one do with sadness? It's like, what does one do with loss? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I have had a lot of loss in my life, but the first time I really experienced death was when someone close to me died by suicide. And I was just uh, beside myself and I had no idea what to do. I'd never experienced that, that level of pain so suddenly, so tragically. Mm-hmm. And my first thought was, I have to call Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. I had other people to call, of course, but I was like, this pain is so intense, so big, so awful and giant. I didn't know what to do with it. And I just said, help. And you guided me through such a beautiful process to mourn that loss Mm -hmm. and to, you really normalized a lot of my experience. That's what we're going to talk about today, normalizing what it is like. And, um, and then we went on to work on not just that loss, but also the loss of my mom because she, Mm -hmm. um, she died of Alzheimer's and, um, she was sick for five years. So some of the people in my world, you know, who listen to the podcast, they are in that panini place, Mm -hmm. right? They're in that part of their lives where they have children that they're caregiving to, and they have maybe aging parents or parents who are actively dying. Mm -hmm. And um, those are just, it's a really difficult place to be in. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm so grateful for all that you've taught me. And I hope that we can help some people today on this episode. Absolutely. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about grief, um, what it is, and then kind of go through what anticipatory grief is. We're going to label that such Mm -hmm. a beautiful way to think about when someone is ill or when you can see that a loss is coming. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about how to, how to handle that. And then what happens when somebody does pass away, kind of what, what that result, what, what create, what's created in you and the emotional experience and all that. Um, and then specifically around the holidays, not just Thanksgiving, but also, you know, through the winter holidays and birthdays and all of those milestones. And then just your work as a grief recovery coach, kind of highlighting what that is. So there we go. All right. Let's get into it. So I'd love for you to tell us kind of, you started to talk about it lost, but like, what is grief? Like, what is it? 
Well, first, it's the normal and natural reaction to a loss. Mm. A lot of times people can't explain why they are feeling the way they feel or think, more importantly, they think I shouldn't be feeling this way. It was only a job. Mm. It was only a pet. It was only a relationship I didn't want to be in anyway. Mm. It was a person that I didn't even like, right? So why am I feeling this way? That is our natural response to loss. Mm. Because we are having those conflicting feelings that are caused by the end or the change of a pattern or behavior that was familiar to us. So they are caused by the end or change of a familiar pattern or behavior. Yeah. Even if there's relief in it, like my mom dying of Alzheimer's, like it was, um, it was a mercy, right? Like that, Mm -hmm. that she was no longer trapped, you know, Mm -hmm. in, in, in all of that in her body. So there was like relief and, you know, someone is, is elderly and you kind of go, okay, well, it's great. You know, they're, you know, they're not out of pain, but that's a way also to bypass the emotion of like, actually, this is affecting me because this is a change. I like how you're talking about it. That's the end of how things were, like whether you were caregiving or whatever that relationship was. I would love for you to talk about that, like how we can sometimes feel differently about someone who we really relied on or someone who we didn't rely on. Can you share the difference there? Right. So when we have someone that we cared about deeply and we had a positive relationship, right? Grief can show up and it can feel like reaching out to that person who's always been there for you only to discover that when you need them one more time, they're no longer there. Right. So you can think about the people that you've had positive relationships with that you have lost that's where that heartbreak can come in when you're like, oh, just I want to call or I want to reach out or I want to share with this person. And then they're not there. Mm-hmm. When we lose people who are less than loved ones, if it was someone who should have been a loving person in our life, but wasn't right. Our grief still shows up, but it's the feeling of reaching out for someone who was never there. And then you discover that you need them one more time and they're still not there. Right? Not there. They have yeah. still f- failed you in that way. Yeah. Right. And it's a kick in the gut either way. Right. Right. It's painful either way. And what you were saying about your mom, you know, especially when people who are ill or elderly or, you know, have some kind of chronic condition and there is that sense of relief, like, okay. It's done. They're no longer in pain. But then you feel guilty for feeling relieved that they're gone, right? Yes. Right. But at the same, you're like, I'm sad, but I'm also relieved. So again, it is that com- those conflicting feelings, right, of something that has changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we can really, really beat ourselves up by not allowing whatever is coming. And, that's, mm-hmm. you know, I think we can talk about that and like how to take care of yourself. And it really is a lot about being in the relief of it because that passes. And then sometimes you're in the the pain of it, the loss, the sorrow of they should have, you know, they were always with, with me. They was there for me. And they're not there now, or mm-hmm. they were never there for me. And they're still not there for me. Right. I remember this is silly, but I remember when my dog died years ago, the first pet that I had that I was really close with. And then 
when she died and I came home, I was so used to going through pain and loss with her that she was like my companion animal, yes. you know, and, and I was just sitting on the couch like, wait, I don't know how to do this without you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that happens, I think, when we're in that pain. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know yeah. how to do this without you. Well, let's talk about anticipatory grief because I do think, I think this is one thing that comes up a lot, at least with my clients who work with me, is that they are in that panini. Like I think of a panini, right? It's not just a sandwich. It's like hot. Like you're like pressed, you know, because it's it's like, let me get a griddle and let me turn up the heat and put two pieces of bread together and smush it. And And all this pressure. Yeah, all the pressure, right? So beyond sandwich, right? It's mm-hmm, this is there's mm-hmm. a lot of pressure, there's a lot of heat. Yeah. This happens at different times. My kids were nine and eleven when my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So they were like later elementary, but still really in those years of needing me. Sometimes it happens your parent becomes ill or needs a lot of extra care, and your kids are in, in um high school mm-hmm. and they kind of need you your emotional presence mm-hmm. and, and you're maybe not a bit available. Or heaven forbid, when they're real little and, you know, they've lost the opportunity to know somebody that's close to you and they need you too. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Let's talk about like anticipatory grief. Like what, what is that? What do we call that? Why is it called that? Well, it's because it's almost as if we're pre-grieving, right? We're anticipating the pain that is coming. I, I think that is a good thing, right? I think grief is good. (laughs) <laughs> because it allows us to have all of those feelings um, even better is when we're able to complete, right? Our relationship with the grief, not with the person. We're going to have a relationship with that person until we take our last breath. So we're trying to complete the relationship with the pain and with the loss, not with the person. When we're anticipating that, we're almost bringing the pain to us early. But I think it can also aid us in some ways in preparing us, right? There has been that debate of, well, would you have rather someone died in an accident, you know, suddenly and unexpectedly, or they have a long illness. So you have time with them and say, both suck. (laughs) Yeah. The loss is the loss, right? Like, you know, the end or change is there no matter how it happened. Sometimes we are talking about how we wish they would have died differently. Mm-hmm. But we're actually really just wishing they hadn't died. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do uh, think that the anticipatory grief is helpful. It, it can be in terms of letting some of that pain in and like almost digesting it a little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. everyone's eating Thanksgiving dinner. Maybe you're listening to this while you're cooking your turkey and you're thinking mm-hmm. about this big meal you're going to eat later. And it's like if you were to eat a little bit of it at a time, it'd be easier to digest. Um, yeah but it still has to be eaten, right? Grief is what it is. And also to be aware of being present at whatever event or even in your visits, this may be the last time, Mm -hmm. right? My mother-in-law died uh, last year and wasn't able to come to our Passover Seder. She was planning like on the way, was not able to make the trip. And I was so ready to be so present for knowing this was going to be the last one. And then going, last year was the last one. And I didn't know it. Yeah. Being aware 
not all of the time, of course, you know, but like, if you know that this is a, a big event and you have an elderly or ill family member or friend, just be really present and know, just enjoy all of it. You know, just all the yumminess, Yeah, take it all in because that is going to help you process through it. And then if you're anticipating it, like you say, you're taking small bites, you're also, it's a little bit of preview of how you're going to manage this, how you're going to come through it. And that can also be very helpful. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. first I wanted to say something about regret. Cause I know everybody's mm-hmm. like, Oh shit, I didn't savor. Like this is our first Thanksgiving. We had no mm-hmm. idea last year mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that this was going to happen. And it's like, that's not actually helpful <laughs> No, <laughs> to, to like revisionist history. The moment, like I think what you're inviting people to say is like, you might be disappointed if you don't savor it, but if you didn't, that just is what it was. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not very often that we're aware yeah, of that. This is going gift. to be, yeah take all of those events as a gift and try to be present. It's true. Though- like all the holidays. I mean, we both have kids who went away to college this year and you don't know the last Halloween that they're going to dress up or like, or that you're going right. to be there or whatever the thing is. Right. And even now it's like, I don't know how many more family trips we're going to take together. Right. right. Um, mm-hmm. It's good as, as much as we can to just be in the in the present and enjoy what we have and be exactly. delighted, delight in our family. Exactly. Um, but without the guilt or the regret, like you said, mm-hmm. you know, and especially putting that on other family members. Well, you never know. This may be the last year with grandpa. So you better spend time with him. <laughs> oh, that doesn't feel good. Yeah. But then if you do have the privilege of knowing someone is dying, then it is great to be like, we're going to be as present as possible. We're going to make this be around them. I think about my mom's last Thanksgiving and she couldn't leave her care home. And we all went over there afterwards and like Mm -hmm. snuggled in her bed. And I remember just kind of feeling like, oh my God, we're all together. Mm -hmm. And that really was, that was her last Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Mm. How do we talk about the kids? This one mom, she reached out and she said, I'm having trouble saying to my son, Papa is dying. Mm-hmm. And I think we get like kind of caught up about how to say it and what to say. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted you to speak to that a little bit. Right. And and oftentimes we can also get stuck in the diagnosis that we can keep our kids up to date on what's happening health wise, right? We're trying this, we're trying that. But also when we say there's no cure, but we don't say they're dying, Kids cannot make that connection. Adults would be able, oh, the nuance is what they really mean is, but kids cannot understand that. Kids tend to be able to understand death around the age of five, and they can understand that loss. Like it's no longer here for real. You know, it's no longer permanent. Usually I find best with kids up to like, I would say 12, just to simply say the person's body stopped working. There can be all sorts of reasons people's bodies stop working. Sometimes their body is just old and it stopped working. There is an illness that they have that there isn't any medicine that can help cure them. So their body's going to stop working. Sometimes accidents can cause someone's body to stop working. Sometimes another person causes someone's body to stop working. Sometimes a person makes their own body stop working. 
Right. And so when they're, I, and I find the younger children, that's enough for them. You know, their body stopped working, their heart stopped beating. That's all. Mm-hmm. Um, but explain to them, yes, their body is here, but it no longer works. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. If the kids are older, they'll ask more questions. Mm-hmm. If they're ready, they right. might ask more. Right. Uh-huh. Exactly. Why yeah. did their body, how did their body stop working? Mm-hmm. You know, and they may have heard, oh, heart attack, cancer. They may have heard these words, but not knowing what that means. I find that's the best place to start. It's simple yeah. and it is absolutely true. And it satisfies a lot of the questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. I remember when our dog died, I think this actually is like kind of the first, a lot of times the kid's first experience with death. Mm-hmm. Death mm-hmm. is often with a pet. Yep. And we lost a few different pets in different developmental stages mm-hmm. with the kids. And it was under five that we lost our first one. Both kids were under five and we, they went to school. We knew that the dog was going to go animal hospital and be put down. Mm-hmm. And we said, we're going to take the dog to the hospital and see if the doctors can do anything. Mm-hmm. And then they boys came home from school and, and we said, the doctors tried everything they could. And we, we use the word dying and, mm-hmm. and they died you know, Mm -hmm. the dog died and we're very sad. I noticed that with my kids up until eight, they just took whatever cue from me, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever emotion I was demonstrating. It's like they, that's their nervous system anyways. That's what they're borrowing. So they just kind of take the clue and cue from you. So if your Mm -hmm. emotion, I think is really, really intense, it's going to feel really intense to the child. Mm -hmm. And we want to be, in our feelings, but not be so demonstrative that the child then catches, like we always say, feelings are contagious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's just a lot of intensity can be hard for a kid. So mm-hmm. we want to be as as processed as we can be and not just like right in, in the middle of the turmoil of it is my recommendation. Yes, yes, I agree. Part of the challenge with how we deal with grief as a Western society is because we were taught by our parents who were taught by their parents, who were taught by the strong, you know, the best generation, the greatest generation, right? (laughs) To be strong. Don't show any emotion. Yeah. Stay busy. Got to stay strong for the kids. Eat, drink your way through it. Push through, right? We weren't taught how to healthily grieve. So when you're experiencing that loss, it is an opportunity for you to model for your children how to grieve healthily. The don't let the kids see you cry is such a myth around grief because I have clients who think that their father never cried over their mother dying, but really he was in the bedroom sobbing every night after, you know, the kids went to bed, but here this kid thinks, well, my dad never cried when my mom died. Mm -hmm. Right. So we don't hide our feelings when we are happy from our children. We don't hide those feelings. I don't think we should hide them when we are sad either. Mm-hmm. Right. I think there's a way but to like hold you, the tension between, yes. you know, where you can really let go and really deeply grieve and, yes. and be in that sad, sad place where you all, you need caregiving. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are times where I would say it's not right to do that level of needing caregiving in front yes. of your children because they Absolutely. don't know how to help you. Right. In that they can't moment. be, yeah, they can't, they are not, they don't have the capacity to be a caregiver in that way for you. So yes, 
if you need to really mourn this, yes, you can do that in private. You would want to probably do that in private anyway, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. But sharing on Mother's Day, you seem a little sad. Mama, why are you sad? Well, it's Mother's Day and I really miss my mommy. I'm sad that she's yeah. not here. Yeah. And that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's that yeah. simple. Yeah. Um, so- even for kids who are teenagers, right? Mm-hmm. They may know, oh, it's Mother's Day. Mom doesn't seem herself. Oh, I bet it's because grandma's gone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Yeah. I think it's good just to say it. <laughs> yeah. Definitely like, Absolutely. hey, everybody, this is a hard day for me. And I'm going to mm-hmm. take really good care of myself. And we're going to have, you know, if you're, they're littler, like we're going to do something to honor my mom or mm-hmm. honor grandma today, mm-hmm. or today's a movie day. Today is a day that like, you know, we're going to eat cereal because mm-hmm. I'm going to take care of myself and mm-hmm. modeling that. I think the idea, and I'm not going to belabor it, but it's like, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to express my feelings. I'm going to process this. I'm a full grown up. I can do it. Mm-hmm. And I can do it in, in the presence of my children. My children are not responsible for my absolutely care. Absolutely. I think it's really important to clarify that. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I think sometimes we cling to our kids a little bit when we're in pain or like, you know, and and, it, and we're almost like using them to cope. Mm-hmm. Um, As a comfort. Yeah. 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 They're not our stuffed animals. <laughs> right. 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 And their cuddles and kisses do make us feel better, mm-hmm. but that's not their job. Yeah. 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 We, yeah. We can get, get what we, we need from them, but relying on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also important to use the word dying or died. I agree. People Often always are like passed away or moved just... on or, I mean, sometimes I use the word transition in my work as a, a death doula, but that is, that is a different situation. But I think a lot of times in our society too, we think if we bring it up, we're bringing it to us, mm-hmm. right? Oh, right. Like, like I don't want to say die because something might hear, the universe might hear and, and speed it up. Like a right? superstition. Okay, well, we're right. not going to tell people, if you have a superstition, do you just keep on with that? Yep. But I think- if you're doing it to protect your kids from this language, mm-hmm. it's nuance is confusing. I think right. as you address that, it's like right. live, die, good, bad. The, the binaries mm-hmm. live within them. It, it's mm-hmm. actually easier for them. They don't have a lot of gray in general. That requires mm-hmm. abstract thinking. Doesn't even come online till 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. So thinking about what language they actually need or what serves them, it's mm-hmm. probably better to be more direct. I've always used the word dying or yeah. she died Absol- last yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But it does make people uncomfortable. They like to use passed away. Mm-hmm. What are some like things that you see in your practice where I always think like adaptive, maladaptive, like mm-hmm. some strategies that we use to cope with intense emotions mm-hmm. that maybe are fine a little bit here and there, but like mm-hmm. if you played them out too long, it's not unhealthy. Um, right. So what, what do you see or like what kind of hap- happens to people when they're experiencing either they're anticipating someone dying or they've actually died or a loss right. like divorce, I think can really apply here. Right. Too. Right. So we want to, our need is to kind of distract 
our mind and our body from all of these big feelings that are coming forward. So exercise, eating and drinking, binge watching TV, scrolling on social media, gaming, shopping, staying at the office really late, right? And like you said, all of these things in moderation, totally fine. In fact, your brain needs a break, right? And your heart needs a break from feeling this pain. So sometimes we do need to decompress and check out. When it can become a problem is when it is fanatic exercise. When we are overeating, you know, like trying to fill that hole in our body that's in our heart with junk food or food, drinking to the point of passing out, shopping beyond our means, becoming a workaholic. That's when that can become um, a problem when you have those behaviors that are in place of dealing with the emotions. That's different than I need to take a break. Yeah, I need just to sit on the couch and I need to watch the office for the hundredth time and just check out, right? When my mom died, I worked, like kind of went right back to work. It was <laughs> COVID and online life. There wasn't really much I could do to, there was, you know, she had been dying for five years. So all the things were tidied up already. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there was a part of me in retrospect was like, like, did I overwork or was that a problem or with my sister? I just kind of went by, right back to work. And I realized that the pain was 24 hours, right? Mm -hmm. Like it didn't, it, there wasn't really any break. And so when I worked, it was a break from the overwhelming experience of grief, like the we mm -hmm. the waves. I think of it sometimes like mm -hmm. just the, you know, it's just a wave. You just survive each one. You just don't drown. Mm -hmm. But when I was working or doing any of these other behaviors, you mm -hmm. know, watching Downton Abbey or um, Great British Baking Show, whatever, mm -hmm. or, or like working on a puzzle, there was part little things I could do that I didn't feel mm -hmm. and it was so vital. And I, I think if anyone finds themselves like, Oh, I should take more time off or I shouldn't be doing this almost allowing a period of time where you just are like, that's what's happening mm -hmm. for this. I, I always give myself a little deadlines. Like I'm mm -hmm. like, this is 100% okay for three months. And then let's revisit and circle back if we have to like, right. Right. You know, fix this. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. And with your mom too, you had, you had done a lot of the work with me, with the grief recovery program. You had completed that yeah. before she died. Mm -hmm. So I remember reaching out to you when she died and knowing too, because my mother had dementia and you lose them for years before you actually physically lose them, which is just a whole nother level of pain and mixed feelings and um, a lot of conflict. But it's, um, I remember you saying, well, it, yeah, it's sad, but it's okay because I was already complete. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about what that meant. Like what yeah. that, yeah, I had done the grief recovery with you mm -hmm. on her because she was dying mm -hmm. and, and in many ways gone already. And so it was yeah. time for me to like process and release 
the pain of our relationship, the pain mm-hmm. of that. So mm-hmm. I felt like when my mom died, the grief, it was so pure in some ways, it was just pure loss. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a lot of regret or, or remorse. Like it all was fixed. I was very mad though about COVID um, because we, we couldn't see her because of the being in a memory care home. Mm-hmm. So that that's like how she died sometimes right. gets me. And it's, I have to remember, nope, I'm really upset that she died. Right. right. Not necessarily. It's like my the brain circumstances. tell yeah. me the circumstances. Yeah. Um, so good. So what are some strategies that are really healthy? Like we're saying whatever strategy you use is healthy. Mm-hmm. And, and we'd want to make sure we're kind of keeping within a bounds, you know? Right. And, but um, what are other things that we can do, especially around the holidays or right. uh, just in general, like whether our loved one is dying or we can, mm-hmm. you know, or they've have passed mm-hmm. in some ways. So, yeah, it's, I, I tell my clients, you know, there is no wrong way to grieve. What you're feeling is what you're feeling. And it is 100% valid, right? And your grief is going to look different than, say, if it's a parent, it's going to be different than your sibling. Because grief is as individual as your relationship with that person or thing. What we want to avoid is especially like isolating ourselves, right? We want sometimes just to curl up in a ball in a cocoon and just shut the world out. Absolutely. And we can't be by ourselves, right? We are social animals and we need that connection in that community to survive. So talking to others, letting them help you, which can be so hard in our society. Nope, I've got it. I can do it. I'm fine. Right. Um, Finding ways to honor your loved one. Talk about your feelings. Talk about how this is for you especially with the holidays, it can bring up a lot of feelings of unresolved grief. It reminds us when we would spend or didn't spend time with particular people. Traditions may be different or missing, right? So remember that grief is conflicting feelings caused by the end or change of a familiar pattern or behavior. Well, we always did Christmas at my mom's house. Oh, well, now where? We always had um, particular decorations, certain foods. How are we going to do Thanksgiving dinner when mom and grandma always, you know, made it together? Certain stories that are we're always told around the table, right? Or the absence of all of that. And now you've got to figure out how to make your own holiday. It's normal to feel more sad than usual around the holidays because it's so family oriented, right? You know, socially, it's it's a busier time for us parties and get togethers and holidays and all of that. And wanting to numb out our feelings or putting on a performance that everything's okay. That's okay. But allow the feelings to come forward. Mm-hmm. It's so uncomfortable and painful to sit in the grief. And I promise if you allow that for yourself, you're able to move through it better and more quickly. Oh, true. It's like when we, we do create some buffering between us and our emotions to protect Mm -hmm. our nervous system, to protect Mm -hmm. our ego, to protect our other relationships. And that's valuable, but it can't be the only state that we stay in 
because unprocessed grief is just like any other unprocessed feeling and unprocessed stress. It shows mm -hmm. up like whack-a-mole in other ways, like other Absolutely. relationships in our body, yeah. um, in our performance, in life, overwhelm, all of that. And mm -hmm. yeah. So that's why your grief recovery is so, so helpful. And I want to get into that, but I wanted to talk about for just a minute, like someone listening is maybe thinking, well, I haven't experienced that or I'm through it, but I don't know what to say. Like my best friend lost her mom or mm -hmm. my brother's wife's father-in-law, whatever, like, you know, mm -hmm. someone else further out, uh, has lost somebody that you, maybe you're not connected to that loss. Right. And you want to support them. Like, what are we supposed to say? I find two things. One, I found the best thing to say to someone. Like, say you're going through the funeral line, right? Mm -hmm. Or you're going to their house for the reception or shiver or whatever it is. I can't imagine what this is like for you. Mm. Period. That's it. Even if their mother has died and you think you know exactly how they're feeling because your mother died, you don't, right? You don't know what their relationship was like. God, I'm sure I have erred in this way before. Oh, we all have. And we think it might be helpful by saying you have a community around you that understands how you're feeling, right? That is totally logical, right? Except their brain isn't broken. It's their heart that's broken, mm -hmm. right? So to hear, I know how you're feeling. No, you don't. Mm -hmm. You can't possibly know this pain Yeah, that I'm feeling about my mom, mm -hmm. right? About my grandparent, about my spouse, about my child, right? You can't possibly know. So I would say that, right? I can't imagine what this is like for you. I'm so sorry. That's it. And if you have the urge to start a sentence with at least, <laughs> close your mouth <laughs> and stop. Because at least they're not in pain. At least they're not, at least they're in heaven. At least you got to say goodbye. Yeah, at least. No, none of these are optimal right? No, at least they're not in pain. I know, but we can manage pain. I want them still here. At least they're in a better place. No, being here with us is the best place. You know, at least, it, and with any loss, you know, at least, you, you know, you can find another boyfriend, <laughs> right? There are more fish in the sea. Yeah. You can get another dog, <laughs> right? Just replace the loss, right? Mm -hmm. So all of these myths we have around grief are the things that we automatically want to say because it's been so ingrained in us, right? Also, it feels like it's going to be kind and soothing. Like, I think our intention is really like- Abs Oh, absolutely. It's never, um, oh, I want to hurt this person. But every griever will say the same thing. What was said to you that was unhelpful during the time that you were grieving? And it is always like the same five things. Mm -hmm. Just keep it simple. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what this is like for you. You can offer. I know when my mother died, I was a wreck. Period. That's it. Right. Yeah. Normalizing. Normalizing, normalizing the pain. Normalizing yeah. the experience. However you're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it is for you. Right. Mm -hmm. I noticed I loved not necessarily in the funeral line or, or things like that, but just like someone's willingness to just be with me. 
Mm. And then also to let me talk, Mm -hmm. like whether I needed to process the way the person died again, Mm -hmm. I found that I kind of needed to tell that story many times with each different grief. I lost three people in three years. So it was Mm -hmm. a lot of grief at like compounded. Mm -hmm. And so I, I found myself like wanting to tell the story and it was like building a coherent narrative because what happens to your brain when somebody is gone is like, yeah, you're not really in your thinking brain. You're not really making connections or memories. It's all kind of blurry. And mm-hmm. I think in the retelling, it kind of solidifies that this is what happened. Absolutely. Um, and or just anecdotes about the person or funny stories or photos. I'm always mm-hmm. like obsessively getting gathering all the pictures that I have. Mm-hmm. And then I really want someone to see them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and just being willing, I think, to sit in that process, whatever it looks like for the person. That Absolutely. Grievers more than anything else, grievers want to be heard. Like all of us, we want to be heard and seen, but especially they want to be heard. They want someone sitting with them and listening to them about how they're feeling what it's been like for them. What kind of memories are you having about this person? And if you knew the person, sharing a memory, no matter how small, will bring such joy to that person that they're not grieving alone. And I know a lot of people are like, I don't want to bring it up because I don't want to make them sad. I've never had a client who forgot that a loved one died. And then you bring it up and they're like, oh my God, I thought I was totally fine. And then she brought up my mother and now I'm sad all over again. No, they are sad, period. So So true. But we want to avoid it because it's uncomfortable, right? But that is such a gift that you can give to someone is just to sit and listen. Mm -hmm. The first question I ask when someone comes to me looking for support around grief is, tell me what happened. Mm -hmm. And then I don't say anything else because they do need to process that story. They want to tell you step by step by step what happened, right? We did this and then we did that and then they were fine. And they want to tell you the whole story and what the last moments were. They want to tell all of it. And oftentimes I say, I am just a heart with ears, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just to sit here and I'm just bringing all of this in. I just have an open heart for you to pour it into. Mm-hmm. And that's my job. Yeah. Right? It's just to be able to hold that space for them. But it's very simple. What happened? Mm-hmm. So sometimes people need to borrow our brain. Sometimes mm-hmm. they need to borrow our heart. Sometimes they need to borrow our hands mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and being present in that Beautifully way. Beautifully put. Beautifully put. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd love to talk about grief recovery briefly mm-hmm. because I want to caveat it. And I think of it this way. I think that there's a period of mourning mm-hmm. and then there's a, a period of grief recovery. Right. It's I guess it's a period of grieving and then a period of grief recovery. Right. And when the right. loss happens, it's I don't think it's always the best time to recover from it if you haven't processed the pain, the grief itself. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm explaining it well. So we're going to talk for a minute about two different processes. Like we've been talking about grief and grieving and mourning and feeling it all. And now, and maybe you can articulate it better, but 
it's like now we're switching towards when we're ready to kind of reconcile or, mm-hmm. or move through that loss and make sense of it on a different, like more when you talk about it. Right. So a lot of times, especially right after a loss, um, people are still in the dying. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're grieving the loss, like the physical loss, and they're still in that story of what happened. And sometimes that can be two weeks. Sometimes that could be two years. When they're ready, if and when they're ready to move, not move on, but to move through it, right? We can't get over a loss, no shortcuts, right? We can't go over, we have to go through and it sucks and you can do it. There is a period of time, but we don't know what that is. Yeah. It's different for every person, right? I always think it's like so beautiful in other cultures that they have periods of mourning and that they've, Mm -hmm. they in like, they've defined it. Like Mm -hmm. if your spouse died, you wear black for a year, but if it was a cousin, you know, you only wear black Mm -hmm. for three Mm -hmm. weeks or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. You have a playbook of what we're supposed to do because none of us know what we're supposed to do. Right. Yeah. I remember walking into Trader Joe's and I happened to be friendly with the workers there and they're like, how are you doing? And I'm like, my mom died. Like, and I was just a disaster. And I wish that I was wearing all black and that indicated something to them or that I had a veil or I, I, I wished that I had some way to show I am in mourning. I'm not okay. Like I'm not, right. a, I'm not a normal person right now. Yeah. And to I'm treat not, me gently. And yeah. To, I'm not going to be able to chit chat like, or maybe I will, but just know I might not be able to, right, but there was no, right. I was like wearing normal clothes and going to the grocery store, like a normal person, how I did many times. Right. right. And then. I'm all, all of a sudden in a normal experience that isn't nobody knows that I'm in, in the right. outside world. Right. And that's can be part of what's so devastating is my whole world has stopped. It's suspended. <laughs> and yet everyone is just going on living. Like my mom hasn't died. How, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. I can barely get out of bed, but Oh, they can just go to a movie. It seems unbelievable, right? So yeah, yeah it's kind of like do... when when you're sick and everybody else is like acting nor like healthy, and you're like, yeah. "How did you just get up to go get something from their kitchen?" Like I'm dying over here, you know. Right, right. I can't believe you can't imagine ever feeling better, and then like a couple right. weeks later, you're like, "Oh, I can also go get things from the kitchen," and right. it happens with grief. And I think that moment when there's more gaps between those waves, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's also when you are feeling stuck. Yeah, for sure. Right? When people are going through, you know, grieving the loss, right? But when they get to a point in their life where they're stuck, mm-hmm. they just can't move forward. Mm-hmm. Something isn't right. Just nothing's working. And they think in their mind, it's been long enough or it's been, you know, however long I'm ready to move forward. That's when they're ready to do the work. Because I've had clients who have come right after a loss and they're not ready to do this particular program Mm -hmm. that I teach. So when you're ready to do recovery, right, which is totally possible, people are like, how can my heart is broken? It's shattered. How can it be repaired? It can be, right? So a lot of times unresolved grief is it's almost always about things we wish we had said or done 
differently, better, or more. Mm-hmm. I wish I told my dad I loved him before it was too late. Yeah. I wish I visited my grandma that weekend before she died so mm-hmm. I could tell her how much you know she meant to me. All those things that we wish were better, different, or more. We wish yeah. we had more time. We wish the relationship was better. My experience doing with my mom was so beautiful because you really helped me process the entire relationship, like all that was good. Mm -hmm. all that was hard, all the things that I wish I would have said, or that I wish she would have done or shown Mm -hmm. up Mm -hmm. and really gave me this beautiful space to kind of process all of that. And you walk, you walk through seven weeks or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So it's really specific and it's a program that you go. Right. And it's, it's specific series of steps, right? So it's, it's not just a sit and feel sad. You're taking action. Yeah. Taking action to actually repair your heart. The grief is it's also about all of our hopes and dreams of expectations of what we thought was going to happen, what we thought the relationship was going to be like. And even in the best relationships, we're often left with things we plans. Oh, we were going to go to on this trip. We had this my big birthday. My daughter was graduating from college, like all these things that we thought were going to happen when we have that, or if you're in a negative relationship, uh, the loss robs us of that possibility of repairing the relationship, right? That they left before we could do that. Mm -hmm. Loss, it's cumulative. It's over a lifetime. And if you don't resolve the grief, then it builds on itself, right? If you think of like, you know, a tea kettle, and it's getting hotter and hotter and hotter, and you put a cork in the spout, eventually that spout is going to pop. And that looks different for people, you know, all different people, it's going to show up in a different way for you. But our goal with this program is to be able to heal our hearts. So you're able to enjoy the fond memories of that person without your heart breaking again. Yep. Not that you won't ever be sad, but you won't be heartbroken. You you won't feel shattered every time you hear that song on the radio or you smell their perfume or that thing that they cooked or their birthday, you know, all these special events. We're not looking for closure because we don't end that relationship with them. We're looking to complete the relationship with the pain associated with the loss. Yeah. It's so So amazing. Yeah. Because I I just keep thinking like one thing when someone has died is that you don't get to have a conversation with them Mm -hmm. and those things get stuck, right? The things that Mm -hmm. are unsaid or the things you Mm -hmm. wish you would have said, but that also that same loss happens obviously with a pet, right? You you know, or a job, like if you got kind of your dream job and it got taken from you for whatever, like it gets stuck and then you keep bringing it up and bringing it up and it's like painful Mm -hmm. or I get, I do, I just keep thinking of divorce. Like there's some Mm -hmm. relationships that end in a way that are complete and you've said all the things, but there's some relationships that are too toxic and you're not going to go through the process with the person. Right. They're still alive, but you're not doing this with them. You've tried. Mm -hmm. Right. And so how to move through that loss. I think it's, there's so much room for what you're doing. Right. Uh, So cause grief, grievers need to be heard. Right. Yeah. So you get to say all of those things that you wanted to say that to that person, to a person, Mm -hmm. right? A heart with ears, 
and you're able to say all of the things that you wanted to say and you're able to say goodbye to the pain, right? Because you've completed your relationship. There's no reason to hold on to all of that stuff. You're starting a new relationship with this person or with this institution or this thing because you've, you're done. You've done, you've said everything that you need to say. You've told them all the ways that you, they impacted your life. You've forgiven them. You've apologized. You've told them all the ways that you love them. And then you get to start anew. Yeah. There's so much freedom in it. If there's so much peace, whether you want just to process the loss Mm -hmm. or go through grief recovery, that Mm -hmm. is what Leslie's available for. So you can find Leslie on her website and we're going to put it in the show notes, but it is griefrecoverywestla.com. Yep. And you can reach out and they can just book a call, like consult, right? With Absolutely. You yeah. Yeah. If it feels good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing this with us. And thank you. Yeah. Helping, helping all of us be human and in, in, in a painful world, like how to move through really deep pain and loss. So your work yeah. is important. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. All right. So next week, everyone, it'll be another episode and I will talk to you next time. 